Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates, Send in the Clowns, The Phoenix Tube Company, CelebrityTrips.com, The Law Firm of Decalator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and Relish Restaurant of Kings Park. Here are your hosts, Mark and A.J. Joining us now is the man the New York Times called one of the most gifted singer-songwriters to emerge from the New York scene in years. Uncut Magazine said he is a one-man clash. His album Streets of New York was held as a platter for the ages by Uncut Magazine. Rolling Stone listed The Innocent Ones as one of the top ten best under-the-radar albums of 2011. BBC Radio called it the rock and roll album of the year. I actually fell in love with his music when I was a DJ at WNYT Radio back in 1980. The second and I placed the needle on track one, Vagabond Moon, of his debut album. It's been an ongoing 37-year love affair since then. It is an absolute pleasure to welcome back Willie Nile to WLIE Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Willie. Hey, Mark. It's good to be here. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for the nice words and making all that stuff up. <laughs> you know, you know the, the, the album you didn't mention was the live from the Rosen in the Living Room. Yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> Willie has actually, he actually, I was I was blessed enough that my wife had Willie play at my 50th birthday party. Right. Um, and, you know, it, it's just, if you've not seen Willie Nile, it's something you must do. Uh, before we get to your latest uh, Positively Bob project. Let's talk a little bit about your amazing career. You're born in Buffalo, New York, where you grew up with two older brothers who played piano, a mother who used to always have music in the house, whether it was classical or big band or popular hits of the times, something was always playing. Your grandfather ran an orchestra in Buffalo and was a vaudeville pianist who played with Bill Bojangles Robinson and Eddie Cantor. You know, growing up yep. in that musical household, what music had the biggest impact on you? And, and the fact that, you, you know, when we mention that, that's like, you know, those two names back in that day in vaudeville is the equivalent of stepping out on a field and playing ball with Babe Ruth, pretty much. You know, it was really interesting. He was an interesting man, my grandfather, on my father's side. He he played with Bojangles that comes through Buffalo. Buffalo was a really popular, uh, you know, a great spot in the vaudeville circuit, which is why he moved there from Lowell, Massachusetts. And he would play Bojangles that come through every year and he got he sent him Christmas cards all the time. Every every year he got a Christmas card, and uh, Eddie Cantor. When when my grandfather died in '53, Eddie Cantor had a nationwide TV show, and and he mentioned it on the air. I mean, you figure you've got 20 minutes of airtime, and he mentioned my good friend, you know, Dick Noonan passed away, and um, you know, whatever the family. Yeah, there was a lot of music. The music that influenced me most. I loved classical music, but when rock and roll hit, I was a goner. <laughs> you know, I was a kid, one of eight kids. But my older brothers you know, had the radio on and you know TV. I you know I saw the early stuff in rock and roll. You know Elvis, Everly Brothers, Jerry Lee Lewis, Little Richard, you know uh, Chuck Berry, all that stuff. And then the British Invasion just blew me away. You know I saw the Beatles like everybody else. You know and I changed my life. And uh, and Bob Dylan influenced me greatly as well, which is why I just made this new record. But rock and roll was uh, just, that was the best thing, and not my, it was the best. You know it was nothing like it. You know, you studied philosophy at the University of Buffalo. Philosophy, yep. literally, is the love of wisdom. It's study of general and fundamental problems concerning matters such as existence, knowledge, values, reason, mind, and language. Look at your catalog of music, and each one of your songs really could be a, a topic for not only a class, but pretty much a semester of philosophy classes. So well, I'm wondering when you're sitting that's in be, class. That's being generous. 
<laughs> but thank you. <laughs> no, but if you think "Welcome to My Head," I mean, there's so many of them that really are really deep songs. I'm just wondering, while you were sitting in class and the lectures are going on about philosophy, do songs come into your head at that point in your career? Well, songs come would just come into my head. Ideas for songs, any any place at any time. I could be in the classroom. I could be, you know, walking down the street, walking down Bleecker Street. You know, they. they <laughs> Songs just come. A good idea for an idea. That might be a song, or it might be a melody, it might be a lyric. So they come at any time, any place, you know, on the subway, in the car. You know, just about to fall asleep the other night, I, an idea came to me, and I grabbed my phone and mumbled into the voice memo. So songs come from any place, any time, and, and it's it's been my outlet. I have a ball doing it. Playing live shows is great. Making these records, it's funny. You know, I've been making, doing it for a lot of years, and it's it's never been better than now. You know, I mean, I've toured with the Who across the U.S., played with Springsteen a bunch of times. Bruce is great. He's played with me, joined me a number of times. So I've been really lucky. You know, it's not an easy road, but it's, where it is now is really great. Totally worth the, uh, I never gave up, and I'm um, having more fun than ever. And I'm thinking about coming back to... Uh, to uh, the NBA to play again next year, but I'm not, <laughs> I haven't quite made up my mind. Listen, breaking news. Well, I have a qu question. It's a two-way love affair. You keep on talking about making records, making records. Now, music industry has changed, and you keep on making records at a time when people are buying one song at a time. You know, putting on their iPods. How much harder? How has that changed? How you go about things? Yet you still making rec still make records. Well, I mean, I write songs all the time, and it's possible to put out. I made it. I put out an EP once, had four songs on it. I could put out a single and just leave it there. But I usually, you know, I grew up with uh, albums, and I usually think in terms of collections, you know. And um, I like putting them together. Not that they're concept records by any means, but that's just what I grew up. I'm used to. But you know, I may put out a song by itself because it's the industry has totally changed. It's like completely changed, and uh, I don't really care. You know, I love what I do. You know, I love to play the guitar and play the piano and sing something from my heart that means something to me. I figure if it means something to me, maybe it'll mean something to any, you know, somebody else. And when I sink those 35-footers, I think I'm definitely coming back to places with me. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you talk about the way the industry has changed. And long before Billy Joel... Uh, established his residency at Madison Square Garden. You had a residency at, at Kenny's Castaway, which was a, a Greenwich Village club, which led to your record deal with Arista. Yeah, for those in our audience, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. for, for those of our audience who are not or are too young and really don't know about Kenny's, what did it mean to you to walk under that uh, iconic purple neon sign at Kenny's that read, "Through these portals, walk the famous." Well, it was great. It was a great venue on Bleecker Street, and. Uh, Pat died a few years back, and now it's been sold. It's a restaurant now, but it was a great, you know, when you come to New York City, I grew, I grew up in Buffalo. When you come to the city as a, a musician, uh, you know, looking, trying to follow your dreams and uh, make music and record and try to make a living doing it. And uh, Kenny's Castaways was the perfect place. It was a long, narrow room, and there was a bar, uh, you know, near the entrance when you came in. So a lot of I was playing acoustically at the time. I didn't, I couldn't afford a band, and I, so I just go up on stage and play. And I would play my acoustic guitar, but I was jumping around and jumping off the stage and then introducing imaginary players in the band. <laughs> and uh, some of the some of the acoustic players at the time, some of the folkies, had a tough time in that room because the bar was in the back and people would be talking. Well, if you're singing a sensitive song about, you know, whatever. And people are talking. It can kill it. I knew how to play with that. You know, I would just 
I, I, I could rock the place. And it, so that worked for me. It was a joy. Pat Kenny was a dear guy. And I, well, it was a great scene, you know, like the thing you hope for. You come to New York, you want to be part of some, you know, musical scene, see interesting people, you know, and just grow as a writer and as a person. And I went through all that. And the CBGB scene, I saw that from the beginning as well. Fascinating thing to see, you know, it's to be a part of. It's so interesting you mention that. As I mentioned in the open, like I said, I literally fell in love with Willie's music the first time I dropped a needle as a disc jockey at WMYT Radio, and that was 1980. And, and you know, 79, 80 was when, and through 82 when I was there. But we got to go and we introduced, you know, uh, bands. One of them I remember was the Pet Clams at CBGB's. And, you know, the, the youth... Uh, <laughs> That's an interesting yeah. name. And whatever was, happened to the Pet Clams? Yeah, they, they had a good song, actually. There's Somebody, one good song. What happened to CBGB's? The, well, that's oh. just it. So, you know, there is a whole generation. I, I know that HBO did the, the special on, on vinyl, and they showed kind right. of that scene. But what was that whole scene for you? I, I know that you began frequenting those clubs, the CBGB, when... Patty Smith was playing, the Ramones, yeah, the, the Talking I Heads. I Patty Smith, the Ramones, Talking Heads, right. Blondie, all that stuff. My favorite band was television. It was really interesting because at the time, you know, you, if you had a band and you wanted to play a venue, you had to do cover songs. You know, you had to do other people's songs. But with Hilly Crystal, the owner, you, you had to do your own songs. He was, it was just really interesting. He just said, no, if you do cover songs, you can't play here. And so all these, you know, loners and losers and, you know, uh, dreamers would would go there and with their bands and sing their hearts out and and Patty Smith was in television with the the first two to do it when it became a rock club and I would go there and just see this really interesting music I mean to see the Ramones they go there and they they twenty minute set they go up there and play like fourteen songs in twenty minutes <laughs> <laughs> you you'd be sitting there going what they're done they just got up there I just got my beer and uh, it was really fascinating, interesting, exciting. Uh, it was a great, great time. I really, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and learned a lot from it. You know, I remember walking there one time, and Elvis Costello was there for the first time walking around. I was there one night, and Johnny, John Lydon, then Johnny Rotten, he was there, you know, just wandering. People would, it was a mecca people came to. And, uh, you know, it's a, the party moves the same way the rock and roll industry moves. And, you know, it moves from place to place, like, Great, you know, whoever the greatest baseball team, the greatest uh, basketball team, it changes from time to time. Same thing with rock and roll. Same thing with music in general. It just moves around, and CBS was a great time. It's gone now, and that's all right. And it will move somewhere else. But I'm having more fun now than ever. This new record I just made, I made this record of Bob Dylan songs. And I did it because last year uh, in May, Bob turned 75, and I got an invitation to come sing four songs to close the show at the city winery in Manhattan. And I thought, eh, maybe, you know, and I thought, let me give it a think. And I thought, if I could find four songs that I could have fun with and maybe bring something to. And so I, I picked my guitar up one night and I looked at his website, looked at the song list and thought, no, 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 Ooh, that could be good. You know, I thought, what if, what if I did Blow in the Wind like a Ramones track and rocked it up? And and then uh, hard rains are gonna fall. What if it was like bolero? Bum, 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 bum. And so it's got the combination of stairway to heaven and bolero now. But we had so much fun doing it. We knocked it off really quickly, and uh, came out last Friday. Positively, Bob, and uh, great fun. The great songs, and I got I know great players. So we went in and we knocked it off, and, it, and it, the reviews are you know pretty off the hook. It just came out and got a lot of. A lot of nice things have been said about it, and it's fun to play the songs live. So, you know, there's something to be said for 
believe in your dreams, you know. Absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal disc. And it's very interesting because you look at the list of artists who have covered Bob before, and it's like one of the most eclectic lists you're ever going to find. That list includes, all right, Eddie Albert of Green Acres fame, all right, (laughs) Eric Burden and the Animals, Joan Baez, the Beach Boys, Harry Belafonte, Bobby Darren and Helen Reddy, which comes as close to porn as possible. It's really a very strange. You got to watch the video. I watched a little of that. Yeah, it's it's it is weird. weird. Okay, but then, but but then the other one one that I posted, Jim Neighbors as Gomer Pyle, along with Rob Reiner. Um, Did you listen to any of the other (laughs) covers while preparing for for this album and this project? No, no, I didn't. You know, I just. uh, um, I just listened to this. You know, I, I looked at the list. I knew I know his material pretty well, and and I just picked the guitar up and I didn't even listen to the originals. I mean, I know them, so I knew what you know pretty much what they were. And I just started playing the guitar different. You know, playing like "Blowing in the Wind." You know, the the, the chorus of "Blowing in the Wind." The answer, my friend, is "Blowing in the Wind." It's like a child uh, nursery rhyme. And when we play it, and when I sat with my guitar, the first time I went through it, I thought, you know what? It still sounds like a child's nursery rhyme, even though you're going 100 miles an hour and rocking, having a blast. And they're not all rockers, but we rocked up the times that are changing. You know, we rocked up uh, Rainy Day Women, Everybody Must Get Stoned. Had a lot of fun with it. And no, I didn't, I didn't research anything. I just researched my own instincts, like what, sound, what, what, what will be fun and there's some beautiful songs. He has a love song called Love Minus Zero, No Limit. And it's one of the most beautiful love songs ever, ever. And when I played it that night, so I went to, I did the gig at City Winery a year ago, Meg, and it was so much fun. And hearing those songs struck me. What struck me was how relevant they are to the world we live in today. Like These songs are pertinent to today. And you don't hear Love Minus Zero on the radio. You don't hear Hard Times Are Gonna Fall. And they're great. And so I thought, I can do these things and have a blast with them. And if nothing else, my grandchildren are going to dig them, you know. <laughs> and uh, uh, and it, it's it's worked out that way, you know. I've got a video clip my daughter sent me of my, my one of my granddaughters. She's two, and she's in the back seat singing "Hard Rain's Gonna Fall." It's hard, <laughs> it's hard, it's hard. It's a riot, you know. So I had fun making it. It was a labor of love. And uh, Dylan's Facebook page, official Facebook right. page, gave us a, gave us a shout out. So very satisfying, you know. I do things because I believe in them. You know, I do things out of passion. You know, if, if, I, if I think I've got something that I believe in, I just go for it, you know, and that's, that's why I'm coming back to join the Knicks next year and look out. <laughs> so, I'm working on my 40 footer. You, you went out to Dylan's website. One of the things that's on that website, and I was out there not recently, about a month or two ago, is he posted the video that was the, his Nobel acceptance speech, the lecture he had to give for winning the Nobel Prize. Did you watch that, and what did you think of it? Is there a video of him doing giving a speech? I think he, he he didn't actually give the speech. What he did is he sent a video, right? And I think it's on his website. I, found no, it I, gotta, I have not seen that. No, I got to see that. I mean, the Bob's an interesting character, you know. <laughs> I, I, you know, I met him a few times, and 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 you know, love him to death. You know, his the Shakespeare rock and roll, and you know, he doesn't answer the call. He has, he he moves to a different drummer, you know. And we need people in the world like that are different, that are 
you know, that, that goes a different route, you know. And he got the Nobel Prize, and they didn't respond for a few weeks. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty, right. pretty wild. I mean, who, does, right. who, who does that? He didn't even show up to get the award. <laughs> right. You know, that's funny. You mentioned the, about the reviews, and they've been off the chart. Uh, just a couple of them here. Willie brings his distinct 1970s punk meets folks attitude to great collections of songs. Bob Dylan's, that was from his official Facebook page. The Washington Post said, Willie puts a rollicking stamp on two of Dylan's most famous protest songs, times they are changing and blowing in the wind. Nile is too good and sincere merely to imitate Dylan's songs and pays his highest compliment by performing the 10 songs if, as if they were his. Now, I have to imagine that when you hear those reviews, that has to feel amazing. But I'm wondering, I know that you do have a relationship with Bob. Have you spoken to Bob himself, or have you sent him the, the CD, and has he given you any feedback? You know, I sent, I sent a copy of the album uh, to Bob and, and put a note in with it, you know, and, uh, you know, hope that he would enjoy it. You know, I've not spoken to him, but my feeling is that I get asked that a lot. And my feeling is this, you know, he, Bob's a guy, Bob's a shy guy, you know, and, um, I respect his space. You know, he wrote them. These are his songs, you know, and they're just, they're ground, they were groundbreaking at the time. They're still groundbreaking and they're beautiful. And my, my feeling is that, um, he's earned the right to let silence speak for himself, speak for him. You know, it's like he's. You know, I'm not, I haven't talked to him. I don't know if heard it. You know, I would imagine so. But I mean, either way, whatever. He's earned the right to be. You know, to let silence speak for him. If anybody has earned it, it's that guy. You know, he put himself on the line time and time again. You know, in the '60s when he went electric, he got booed night after night. I mean, there's video of it. You see Martin Scorsese's great documentary. Uh, um, what is it? Uh, no direction home. Mm-hmm. You can see him getting booed night after night. You know he's doing electric music, and, and the, the folkies didn't dig it. Oh, you can't change whatever. And he he he, with, he stood it. He when he did tour for a year under those kind of circumstances. Mm-hmm. Now that people look back on it, he's the Hall of Fame. It's all you know glorified and stuff. But he he lived that stuff. So he's really earned the right. He's always followed his muse and inspired a lot of people. And I'm one of those people that he inspired. So this is kind of a way to to give back some, some love and appreciation. And we put some good energy into it. And I, I couldn't be more proud of it. And to get those, to get that blast from Bob's Facebook page meant the world to me, you know, and for, for uh, what, what the Associated Press wrote. That just really touched me, you know, brought a tear to my eye. I just thought, man, that's really nice. You follow your heart, you do something you believe in, you give it everything you got. You can't ask for more than that. Life doesn't always, you don't always get stuff back. You just do the but you gotta just do the best you can, no matter what happens. How life's hard for everybody. You know, you try to pick yourself up, pick each other up, and do your best. You know, you, you can't do more than that. You do your best, give it give it all you got, you know, and, and that's what we that's what I've been doing all these years and possibly Bob, you know, that's what that was. It was just a labor of love, you know. I just didn't think much I didn't wasn't thinking about the reaction to it, but the reaction's been so loud, it's really very heartening, and again, they're Bob's great, great songs. So I went in with great players with great songs, and you know we got we got some magic. Great, great stuff, and, and you're going to be going out on tour soon. One of the dates was a very interesting date, September first. Um, you know, forget about you know, going, <laughs> forget about making a comeback yeah. on Madison Square Garden. Tell our audience where you're going to be on September first, and also, will this upcoming tour be just the positively Bob, or will we have tons of Willie stuff sprinkled in as well? Well, no, I'm touring all the time, and right now in the shows we're doing, we're doing maybe 
you know, five, six songs off the off the Possibly Bob record, and the other songs are songs of my own. We're mixing them up, you know. We try to change it around. And yes, yeah, September first, you know, uh, before I join rejoin the Knicks, I'm going to go play some for the Yankees. Second base, I'm, I might. <laughs> I'm playing Yankee Stadium September first. It's, a, it's a, under the umbrella of the Underground Garage, little Stevens Underground Garage. They asked me to play it. Play Yankee Stadium? Hell yeah! <laughs> you know, I, I was in Yankees. I was a kid. In Buffalo, and the only TV when I was, you know, 150 years ago, well, the only sports team on, on uh, was the Yankees. So I grew up, you know, watching Mickey Mantle. So I was a Yankee kid, you know, and and I got to see him play. In '61, I saw Marison Mantle hit back-to-back home runs in Boston. I'm this little twerp of a kid in right field, and surrounded by Red Sox fans. And I'm standing up cheering for the Yanks. They wanted to kill me. I'm lucky they got out of the line. <laughs> I saw them hit back-to-back homers in the first inning, and I was giving it to the um, – they should have beat me up and thrown me overboard. But uh, the Yankees are – the Yankees are, I was a kid growing up, but I love sports. You know, I love all sports. I love excellence in sports. I mean, we're lucky and we have this media where we can see so much action, so much play, for better or worse. You know, your, your team doesn't always win. Our team doesn't always win, but – I'm a big sports fan, and I was in Yankee Stadium the last time Joe DiMaggio was in the stadium. I went to a Yankee game. It was near the end of the season. I forget what, you know, whatever, probably the year before he died. And I was on the right, the left field line, and I was right along the wall, you know, just past third base. And in from center field, they were honoring Joe DiMaggio. And he could sit in the back of a vehicle. They'd drive him around, the, you know, the, the left field wall, down the left field line. I'm looking at my Joe DiMaggio. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, there's only one Joe DiMaggio, you know. And and uh, I thought was a, I was happy to be there that day, you know. And and uh, I love sports, so playing Yankee Stadium will be an absolute blast. And you know, I spent in uh, speaking of Yankee Shea Stadium in 2003. I mean, <laughs> I'm a guy who just followed his dreams, you know, with no real sense of. I just you know followed music and followed my. My muse, and it led me to, in 2003, Springsteen's playing uh, Shea Stadium. Stadium. Yep. And two weeks before that, I went to see him play in, outside of Buffalo at Darien Lake. And I went back to say hello. Bruce is a buddy. I've known him for a good long time, and he's been very supportive. And I went to say hi with my kids. And uh, we backstage, and was, we were talking. Johnny Cash died the week before, and so did Warren Zevon. And so we were talking a little bit about that. And he says, hey, Will, you want to play Glory Days with us? Hey, Will, want to play Glory Days? And I said, I thought I was kidding. And then I realized he's not kidding. I go, yeah, I'd love to. So I went on, you know, we went to see the show. Instead, I'm up on stage playing Glory Days with, on the big screen. My kids were laughing their heads off. You know, they're, what, they're like, Dad, I'm very crazy, Dad. <laughs> so two weeks later, um, Bruce was at Chase Stadium. And I went to the game. Or went to the, I said, yeah, I went to the show. And went back to thank him. And I get backstage and he goes, hey, Will, you want to join us for Twist and Shout? So I'm backstage, standing there. And, uh, it's, I mean, it's beautiful night. It was kind of chilly, actually. But this moon was clear. And I'm, ba- I'm, I'm backstage. Bruce comes coming down after, before the encores. He comes bolting over to me and he goes, hey, Will, come on up for Dance in the Dark. It's in B-flat. I don't know Dance in the Dark. <laughs> I mean, I know the song, but I never played it before. No problem. <laughs> so I go up, and I end up spending a half an hour on stage. I remember that show. Not only that, you were on stage with Al Leiter and Al Franken at that show. You know I was actually you know the all-Al show? It was the all-Al show, right. So, Willie, before we let you go, where can people get this great album? 
Um, they, if they go to my website, Willie Nile, W-I-L-L-I-E-N-I-L-E, WillieNile.com, there's links there to Amazon. You can get everywhere, you know, online. Uh, the website will lead you there. Uh, there's a, we got a good Facebook page. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's available everywhere. And it, it, it doesn't suck. We have a ball making it. It comes from the heart. <laughs> Forget all about the AP stuff. That, that's a line of note right there. It doesn't <laughs> suck. <laughs> <laughs> Willie, thanks so much for your time tonight. More importantly, thanks for 37 years of amazing music. Like I said, the second I dropped that needle down on Vagabond Moon, I've been hooked. And it uh, keeps going to this day. Thanks so much, Willie. Thanks so much for having me, Mark and AJ. Bless your hearts. Keep rocking, and I'll see you soon. You got it. Willie Nile, the great Willie Nile.